If you're a note taker, what roofs? What roofs are you, will you, have you ripped off so that others can see Jesus clearly? What roofs are you, will you, have you ripped off so that others can see Jesus clearly? clearly what we see in Matthew 27 in the Great Commission at the end of the gospel when all of the men are are scared and worried. What do I do next? Jesus simply says, you go out. Identity, community, mission. You go out and you teach You disciple and you baptize. It's what we see in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 when he ascends and we see him say, go out where? To Jerusalem, here. Go to Judea, there. Go to Samaria. And what he's saying there is go to the people you, you claim easy to get along with and go out and show Jesus to those who you might not see easy to get along with. What roofs? Are you tearing off so that others can see Jesus clearly? Hear this point. Driven out of your love for the lost to be saved. Go to Luke chapter 5. Driven out of our desire for the lost to be saved. I want your Bibles open. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's black hard bound ones all around the room. Look on with a friend. This word is better than mine. I want you to see it. As you flip in your Bibles, and before I read this oldie but goodie, a story that we've heard maybe many times, I just want you to get out of sermon mode for a minute as we talk about evangelism and sharing the gospel with people and discipleship and faith sharing. I want you to just think for a second. I was overwhelmed with it in my office this morning. Think about all the opportunity. I get out of sermon mode for a minute. This isn't on my notes. I just want you to think about how many lost individuals are out there. I want you to think about your own family. I want you to think about your relatives. I want you to think about your neighbors. I want you to think about your coworkers. I want you to think about your hunting buddies and your shopping friends, the people you vacation with. Like, think about the abundance of opportunity. Think about the abundance of opportunity of people who who might love Jesus but don't know him very well or not plugged into a local church. I think about this daily. Like I am so overwhelmed with who God is in my life and I believe so much in his church here at Eastview. I've gotten to a point when anyone says that they don't belong to a church Or maybe they're not in love with the church. Like, I just want to grab them and throw them over my shoulder and go, you're coming with me. Like, that's how much I see what God is doing here at the church. Think. Think about the abundance of opportunity. How many fish are out there to be caught? How many roofs are you tearing off so that others can see Jesus Clearly, look at Luke chapter 5, starting with verses 17. Now it happened on a certain day 
as he was teaching, and then there was Pharisees and teachers, remember that. This is what the room was filled with. So some good old folks wanted to hear Jesus, and then the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, sitting by, who had come out of every town of Galilee. The room was filled with differences, right? Of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who had been paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find, they were staring into the room, they could see no space. And when they could not find how they might bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. Isn't this awesome? When he had saw their faith, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees, all the religious teachers that knew about God but didn't believe in Jesus, they began reasoning and saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up and walk. But you they may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take your bed, and go to your house. Can you imagine seeing this moment in person? Immediately he rose up before them and took up what he had been lying on and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, rightfully so. And they glorified God and they were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. I love that last statement. I, we have seen some pretty wild things Today, Stoney, turn me down just a little, brother, so I don't blow people away today. I feel the energy rising. What roofs are you, have you, will you rip off so that others can see Jesus more clearly? Let's pray for our time together. Bow your heads with me. God, we thank you for today. God, I thank you for the roof that was ripped off from me to where I once was blind. Now I can see, Lord. I thank you, as Peter said, that this is not flesh and bone that has revealed this, but the Holy Spirit that lives within me. I am thankful. I am thankful for what you have done in my life. I am thankful for the men and the women who have ripped roofs off so I could better see you. I am thankful for you stepping forward in my life to where there was once only blackness. Now I can see your goodness. I can see your righteousness and your mercy and your love and your grace. I am thankful for you, Lord. I pray if someone in this room, young or old, visitor, or long-standing member, Lord, I pray that if someone does not know you, they see you today. That we see salvation today. That we see growth today. We see encouragement <clears throat> that we're spurred on. Lord, as we pray and as we close this moment together, I want on everyone's mind right now, Lord, place on them the lost opportunity in their life. Lord, place on their mind who you have placed around them to rip roofs 
off for, in your precious name, the church says in harmony, amen. Go ahead and turn your Bibles. It's just one verse, but we're going to find ourselves in Romans later on, so you can go ahead and do this. I love this verse so much, I don't want to read it without you seeing it. Go to Romans 15. Go to Romans 15. I've been in this, this one little verse, verse 13, all week. It's just these two words that have been really, really encouraging and convicting and spurring me on. I want you to see them. Romans 15. Paul says, Now may the God of hope fill you. Highlight that. Now may the God of hope fill you. So when we see that, we pass over it really quickly because that's just normal biblical language, fill you, filled, all those kind of things. But for you to be filled would also mean that you used to be what? Empty. So what Paul is saying, God, fill these empty people with all. With all the joy, with all the peace. Here's the two words that I've been hung on in believing. These people who were empty, these people who were lost, these people who were blind, fill them up with what? All of it. Give it all to them. Give them all the peace and all the joy and all the mercy and all the forgiveness that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love this verse. I love this verse in Romans 15 because I love the thought behind it because what we see Paul say in Romans 15 is what the same thing we saw in David saying in Psalms, God, keep me in the remembrance of the benefits of being a believer. Two weeks ago, God, I have drifted even from the joy of your salvation. Keep my eyes on that I've been forgiven, that I've been given mercy, that I've been given love, that I've been redeemed, that I've been given power. Keep me on this is what we see in Moses in the book of Exodus a month ago. The promised land is nothing special without the promise keeper being present. So Moses has this moment. He's about to run past the finish line. And he goes, man, if you're not going to be in there with me, I don't want this. In believing, note taker, in believing we have new life. In believing, we have a better life. We have great living. We have a closeness with God. We were empty. We were blind. Now we are filled and we can sing. We have something to be joyful about. And in this new life, now the believer wants to share this life with other people. I fully believe, church. Think about your own existence. I truly, 100%, genuinely believe and have felt that when the human eyes have seen and experienced something that is so great to even put into words, the first response is to tell other people about it. That is what God has called us to. I have heard and I have preached and I have read many different angles of Luke chapter 5. This oldie but goodie, something that we've read and we've heard many times of this wonderful story of these men climbing the house, ripping off the roof, and lowering down the sick man. It's a great story. A lot of different angles, all on the foundation of God saving grace 
through God's and Jesus' love. But there's a lot of unknowns that I've been curious about. There's a lot of things, and this finite print doesn't change the point. There's a lot of things I've wondered about Luke chapter 5. Who were these men connected to the paralyzed man? Like, were these, like, great, faithful men who knew Jesus? Like, I had spoken to Jesus, and I had heard Jesus. Like, I've been in this house for the last six days. Brother, you got to come. Like, I know the Bible concerning the Old Testament and all the old prophets. Like, I know these things. Or were these just some good old boys and neighbors that enjoyed this man's company? Like, what was their driving force and motivation? Was it strictly spiritual or was it physical? Was, were they telling this man, like, look, I've seen Jesus do these crazy things. Lace them up and we'll throw you over our shoulder. Like, we got to get there, right? What was his motivation? Were these men beyond bold or were they just simply emotional good old boys who said, man, this roof has got to go either way? When you read Luke 5 and when you see the gospel in Matthew, you say the same story. No matter the details, no matter the fine print, these were men who saw the lost and they knew that the only physician to heal him was Jesus and they were going to stop at nothing to get him in front of him. No matter who they were to the paralyzed man, what you and I see is urgency connected to the lost man. You see love connected to the lost man they carried. And in the midst of man's faith, we see the promises of God poured down in the moment through his son, Jesus Christ, that he is faithful in our faith sharing. Hear me. What we see in Luke 5, no matter who these men were or the moment that it took place, we see men who saw and understood that Jesus offered better. And in the midst of their faith in doing so, we see God do an amazing work in the midst of their faith sharing. I'm convicted. I sat in this all week. I'm convicted that we don't rip enough roofs. That we don't rip off enough roofs. I'm convicted that we don't seek enough soil to plant seeds. Is what we see in Matthew 13. God promises great things in faithful farmers. And I see this, and I understand that the opportunity is great. The opportunity is an abundance. We all have unreached people. We all have the lost around us. We all know people who say they love Jesus but don't know God. We all have people not plugged into the local church. We all have the abundance abundance of opportunity we know this we are filled with the power that we see all throughout scripture and we know that God desires to feed the mission and I sit there and I just wonder why that very few believers can name anyone outside of their children that they've ever ripped the roof off for like I'm not talking about your son I'm not talking about your daughter it all starts in the home I get it but I wonder why, if we are filled with the Spirit of God, and it is not hard to see the abundance of fish to eat. Like, I wonder why very few of us can name anyone we have ever ripped a roof off for. 
Like I've heard and I've felt and I've experienced many rationale behind it. I think the one that we all say and what I've heard a million times is, well, Hunter, the reason I don't share my faith and the reason that I don't invite to certain places and the reason I don't show people scripture or share the gospel, the reason I don't do these things is I'm not really theologically or intellectually prepared or equipped to do so. Like, what if they ask me a question in this big book that I don't know how to answer? Like, I am not ready. What if they come back at me and all I got is Jesus is good? But what we see is, and based off Luke chapter 5, is I believe that love shines more than knowledge. Like, you think these guys that are climbing up the house and ripping off the shingles, you think they're ready to go toe-to-toe theologically with the scribes and Pharisees that are standing in the room? You think a hole's in the roof and they go, hey, and Isaiah, you think that's happening? No, simply Jesus offers better. I don't care if I lose my job, my money, my reputation. I'm getting this man who doesn't know him, who needs him in front of him. So I don't buy that even though I felt it, said it, and heard it. I've heard many times and felt and said that the reason that I don't share my faith, the reason I don't rip roofs off, the reason I don't plant seeds is You just got to wait for the right moment to do so. I don't want to drive that person off. I can't do it at work. I don't want to lose my job. I don't want someone to complain about me. I don't want to put a sour taste in someone's mouth that they'll never come back at me. So I just quietly, I get the seed and I just kind of throw it in the air and hope something happens. There's never the right time. There's never the right place. Well, if we show anything about planting seeds based on Luke 5, if there is an inconvenient time to put someone in front of Jesus, it's Luke 5. Like how convenient and understandable would it be if the men looked at the guy and said, hey, next time be dressed when we get here. The room's already filled. We'll cross our fingers that he's here tomorrow. No. They said, hey, listen, I know this sounds crazy. Grab onto my back, we're climbing. And when I rip off the roof, I want you to see the only thing I know that will help you, and that is Christ. I believe that true love shatters all risk, embarrassment, problems concerning opportunity. And I was sitting here and I was reading this story, which I've read a thousand times, and I thought about my life and my faith sharing in this church. And I thought to myself, well, Hunter, is it fear? Is it our lack of knowledge and understanding of Scripture? Is it the lack of the perfect moment in the perfect space? Or is it that we just don't care about the lost as much as we would like to think we care about them? Like, is it that we're ill-prepared, lazy? Are we Jonah going, listen, I just don't care if they find salvation or not. You know, this year in 2021, man, I woke up and I had a heavy burden for the lost. The only time I can ever remember feeling like this ever in my life is when I was first saved. 
Like I would think about it all the time and I would talk to different leaders and all different Sunday school teachers and I would talk about wanting to see more people here and wanting to see families grow, wanting to see baptisms, wanting to see salvation. And and as a pastor, I honestly just equated it to the reality of just wanting to see the church grow. And that's good. That's what your pastor should want. So every day and every Sunday, and and you guys might not realize this, some of you have been visiting this church for a little bit, and I know exactly who you are, even though I've introduced myself 10 times to you. That's my way of getting in, right? And man, I'm looking at you, and I think and I pray, God, keep them here, because I love you, I believe in your church, I want to see growth, I want to see good things happen, because I believe Eastview, his church, I believe that this is a whole And I believe people have grown here and see God here and go closer to him here. But this week, guys, as I was studying and I was praying and I was missing an environment that I'll speak about here in a second, God hit me like a ton of bricks that it really wasn't about church growth that had been on my heart. It was the reality that I really had not always loved the lost like I thought that I always loved the lost. And I sat there and I realized that as I grew closer to the Lord and I repented of my sins and I understood scripture greater, my love for the lost and my desire for salvation grew abundantly. Not always been the case. This week, my family out of town and we found ourselves in an environment that they were very proud of their pride. This is Pride Month where the homosexual community stands up and they wave their flag and they're very proud of the pride in which they're professing. And, and so they get the rainbow, which is a Bible study you need to be having with your kids. They get the rainbow, a symbolism of God's promise and grace and provisions towards his people. And they have taken something godly and attached sin to it and they celebrate it. And we're in an environment that we're outside of Huntington. So there's rainbow hats and shirts and shoes and every billboard you see and every store you go into, like everybody's pushing pride. So my oldest son, who's, who's old enough now to, to pinpoint some things, and I'm thankful for that. That's a good thing that they can pinpoint sin. And so my oldest son is, is walking in this environment and he's just constantly like this, like, ah! And I'm like, you know, like dad. And, and you know, the, these, these people, they have like shirts that say all the statements that they want to say, but not going to say it out loud. And he's reading shirts and every five seconds, I can barely do anything. He's just like, hey, did you read that shirt? Did you see that billboard? Did you see that person? Did you? And all of those things, right? We see frustration. Young believer. We see frustration. We see a little anger. We see a little disgust. We see a lot of fear and like, oh my goodness, is this what the world is turning into? I have felt all of those things tenfold. But what I found myself feeling, honestly, for the first time maybe in my life, more than any of those natural feelings a believer might have in this moment, I felt a broken heartness. Because I looked at these individuals who I know they believe they are celebrating, but they do not sleep at night with peace. 
And there, no is, there is no in believing the joy and the peace and the mercy that they are experiencing. It's a front. It's a hollow emotion in their lostness. And in this moment, more than my frustration or eye roll of fear of the culture that we live in, man, my heart was broken with their distance from Jesus Christ. We went home as a family. We sat in the, the living room. We were talking and digesting the day. What did you see? How did this make you feel? What do you think? And I just told my kids, listen, what the world is presenting as celebration should break our hearts for our mission. You know, guys, I have done many things that were good in nature, but not fueled by my desire for others to know Jesus. My family will tell you, I've pulled up many chairs to the Jehovah Witnesses at Walmart and basically said, hey brother, I've done my homework. Let's see if you've done yours. But not fueled out of wanting to see them saved. I have knocked on doors many times saying, do you know Jesus in many countries? Not always fueled by my desire to see salvation. I have preached sermon after sermon after sermon and prayed and teached revivals at times where it was not out of my desire to see salvation. But how many roofs have I torn off out of my desire for others to see Jesus more clearly out of my broken heartness for their lostness? Guys, listen to me. When I was first saved and I didn't know anything, that's all I wanted to do was rip roofs. Man, someone just opened the door and sit me out there like a pit bull and I was ripping every roof I could. I couldn't answer nothing, but I knew who Jesus was. And I wanted to see people saved. I wanted to see the blind see. I wanted to see the mute hear. I wanted to see those things. But man, it's easy to drift. And it is easy to start wanting the promised land more than the promised keeper. It's easy to lose sight of all the benefits. It's easy to become distracted even with the people in the room versus those who control the room. And when this happens, you can even do good things in the midst of having no love for the people you're speaking to. Can you imagine the feelings that these men had when they saw who was in the room? They had people who, who were good people like them. They might have known them and they would have been like, Jerry, what are you doing up there? My wife is going to kill you when she knows this, right? My boss is looking at you. And then you got the religious leaders, the other folks on the other side of the room, going, what are you doing? They didn't care. Because what they simply knew was, my lost friend needs Jesus. So at times we pray, and at times we tell the gospel, and at times we go to church, but how many times have you done these things when in your heart, it was not out of the desire for other people to see him. Like, is there a chance that the reason we don't share our faith more often 
It's not out of intelligence. It's not out of theology. It's not out of social skills. It's not out of confidence. It's not out of the right moment. It's simply because we just don't care. Like, what do we want to see? Like, have you ever been willing outside of your kids to climb any house? To rip off any shingles for other people to see Jesus? Have you ever hurt for the lost more than be angry at them? When you see sin, is it more of an eye roll in judgment? Or does your heart literally in pain for people that don't know Christ? That is what we see in Paul and Romans. That is what we see in people of the Old and New Testament people. They didn't care how their reputation was hurt. They didn't care what they lost. They wanted people to know who God is. Look at Romans 9. Look at Romans 9. I want you to see it. Look at Romans 9. Nine verses one through five. Now, in this moment, Paul is speaking about the lost people of Israel, God's people, but we're lost at this time, and we see his heart and his mind, and we see where he's at. I'm asking you, have you ever burdened for the lost like this? Look at the first five verses. I tell the truth in Christ. I am not only, I am not lying, my conscience also bearing witness in the Holy Spirit. So he's saying, I'm telling you the truth. The Holy Spirit is my evidence, right? That I have great sorrow. That I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. Why? For I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brothers. My countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, covenants, and giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises of whom are the fathers, and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. And Paul says, Amen. Paul is speaking to the people of Israel that do not know Jesus. And he says, listen, my heart hurts so much, I would change spaces with you if I could. And this is a man who spent a lifetime ripping roofs and he knew God so much. I don't need the promised land. I don't need all of the benefits of the world. I just want a closeness with you. And when I feel the feeling of what it means to believe and in believing, I want others around me to desperately have it. Have you ever burdened like this in your life? Does it hurt you when you see your neighbor lost like, does it hurt you when you see a family not in church does it hurt you when you see people go through a lifetime having a distorted broken view of the gospel does that hurt you or do you find yourself like Jonah going hey listen I got mine and I'm good Man, before we go into Lamentations, which is a beautiful book on the mercy and grace of who God is, man, I am pleading with you to pray for opportunity. You have been given something so amazing in your salvation. 
Matthew 27, Acts 1, go out and pour it in relentlessly, no matter what the ramifications are to the people around you. Will you do this? As we close here, we're closing a little different. I want you to stand. Stand with me. We're not singing or dancing anything. You can stand up. Do you and will you pray for opportunity? Think about this. If you know God and you know Jesus and you are growing closer, the first effect of this will be a desire that the lost know Jesus as well. This is something that naturally happens throughout Scripture. Our heart changes towards those who don't know him. Will you pray for opportunity? I cannot tell you what Jesus will do or what God will, but I will tell you in what way. I would have it hard to believe that if a born-again believer of Jesus Christ, changed by the blood of Christ, prays genuinely for opportunities to share faith, even though I don't know how or when God does what he does, I would be shocked if he doesn't give it to you. If you are a believer, when was the last time you just simply prayed, God, give me opportunity? And hey, let's just see what happens. Let's come back together, I don't know, seven days from now. And let's just see what happens. God put in my path roofs to rip. Will you pray this? Will you pray, God, change my heart? The reasons I don't climb houses and the reasons I don't rip roofs, the reasons I don't share faith is because I don't care. It's not because I get nervous in front of people or I don't know the Bible by heart and none of us do. It's because, honestly, my mind and my heart is sinfully preoccupied. If that is where you are, God, change my heart. You are the great physician and the changer of things that are broken. Change my heart. Give me a love for the lost to be saved. And lastly, will you pray for soil to plant seeds? Will you pray, God saves, you don't. Our job is to be faithful What Christ accomplished on the cross is all that people need. He calls us to be faithful farmers. Will you pray for soil now? I'm going to read you Matthew 13, and we are going to pray, and our praise team will come up. Just listen to the words. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house, and he sat by the sea, and a great multitude were gathered with him. So he got into the boat and he sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And just like that house, right? He spoke many things to them in parables, mean stories saying this. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And he sowed and some seed fell by the wayside and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places and where they did not have much earth. And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of the earth. But when the sun was up, when they were scorched, because they had no root, they withered away. We've seen this. 
And some fell among thorns, and those thorns sprang up, and they choked them. But, but others fell on good ground. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop. Some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has an ear, Jesus says, let him hear. Will you plant seeds, pray for opportunity, pray for good soil, pray for those who are lost? As we pray here, I want your mind on the loss that you have in your life right now. We all have brothers and sisters and parents. We have buried people who don't know Jesus. We have been too fearful and scared and embarrassed and weighed the risk over reward. We have done all of those things. We have buried family who we said, man, I just wish that I had that conversation. I wish I would have shared Jesus. I wish I would have put him on my back and ran up that roof. I wish I would have done that. God, give me the opportunity to crush my wishes and give me the courage to do so. God, show me. Show me the people. Bow our heads. God, we thank you for today. Lord, I pray right now, right now, as I love this church, I love these people. I see what you're doing in so many of their lives. Lord, I pray right now that you infiltrate their lives with opportunity opportunity that does come with risk, that does come with uncomfortableness, but also could come with the soil needed. Lord, I pray for conversations to happen. Lord, I pray for opportunity to happen. Lord, I pray for your grace and your love and your mercy to flood into their faithfulness. Lord, put houses in roofs in our path. Let us be bold in sharing our testimonies of what you've done in our life. Let us be bold and faithful with telling others of your goodness and the gospel and what we know of you. Let us be faithful and bold in inviting people to the body where they can grow and love you deeper in the midst of a community of believers. Let us be this. Nothing else matters. Let us live, fight the good fight of pouring out what has been so graciously poured in. Let us not sleep tonight. Let us not sleep tonight without the names, the faces, and the thought behind the blessings of believing that needs to be poured into others. Save them. In your precious and holy name, the church says, amen.